Chapter Twenty Two of Twenty Five Sermons on the Holy Land. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Twenty Five Sermons on the Holy Land by Thomas DeWitt Talmage. Among the Holy Hills. He came to Nazareth, where he was brought up. Luke four sixteen what a splendid sleep i had last night in a catholic convent my first sleep within doors since leaving jerusalem and all of us as kindly treated as though we had been the pope and his college of cardinals passing that way last evening the genial sisterhood of the convent ordered a hundred bright-eyed arab children brought out to sing for me and it was glorious this morning i came out on the steps of the convent and look upon the most beautiful village of all palestine its houses of white limestone guess its name nazareth historical nazareth one of the trinity of places that all christian travellers must see or feel that they have not seen palestine namely bethlehem jerusalem nazareth babyhood boyhood manhood of him for whom i believe there are fifty million people who would now if it were required march out and die whether under axe or down in the floods or straight through the fire grand old village is nazareth even putting aside its sacred associations first of all it is clean and that can be said of few of the oriental villages its neighboring town of nablus is the filthiest town i ever saw although its chief industry is the manufacture of soap they export all of it nazareth was perhaps unusually clean the morning i speak of for as we rode into the village the afternoon before the showers which had put our mackintoshes to the test had poured floods through all the alleys under command of the clouds those thorough street commissioners besides that nazareth has been the scene of battles passing it from israelite to mohammedan and from mohammedan to christian the most wonderful of the battles being that in which twenty five thousand turks were beaten by twenty one hundred french napoleon bonaparte commanding that greatest of frenchmen walking these very streets through which jesus walked for nearly thirty years the morals of the two the antipodes the snows of russia and the plagues of egypt appropriately following the one the doxologies of earth and the hallelujahs of heaven appropriately following the other and then this town is so beautifully situated in a great green bowl the sides of the bowl the surrounding fifteen hills the god of nature who is the god of the bible evidently scooped out this valley for privacy and separation from all the world during three most important decades the thirty years of christ's boyhood and youth for of the thirty-three years of christ's stay on earth he spent thirty of them in this town getting ready a startling rebuke to those who have no patience with the long years of preparation necessary when they enter on any special mission for the church or the world the trouble is with most young men that they want to launch their ship from the dry dock before it is ready and hence so many sink in the first cyclone stay in the store as a subordinate until you are thoroughly equipped be a good employee in your trade until you are qualified to be an employer 
be content with nazareth until you are ready for the buffetings of jerusalem you may get so gloriously equipped in the thirty years that you can do more in three years than most men can accomplish in a prolonged lifetime these little suggestions i am apt to put into my sermon hoping to help people for this world while i am chiefly anxious to have them prepare for the next world all christ's boyhood was spent in this village and its surroundings there is the very well called the fountain of the virgin to which by his mother's side he trotted along holding her hand no doubt about it it is the only well in the village and it has been the only well for three thousand years this morning we visit it and the mothers have their children with them now as then the work of drying water in all ages in these countries has been women's work scores of them are waiting for their turn at it three great and everlasting springs rolling out into that well their barrels their hogsheads of water in floods gloriously abundant this well is surrounded by olive groves and wide spaces in which people talk and children wearing charms on their heads as protection against the evil eye are playing and women with their strings of coin on either side of their face and in skirts of blue and scarlet and white and green move on with water jars on their heads mary i suppose almost always took jesus the boy with her for she had no one she could leave him with being in humble circumstances and having no attendance i do not believe there was one of the surrounding fifteen hills that the boy christ did not range from bottom to top or one cavern in their sides he did not explore nor one species of bird flying across the tops that he could not call by name nor one of all the species of fauna browsing on those steeps that he had not recognized you see it all through his sermons if a man becomes a public speaker in his orations or discourses you discover his early whereabouts what a boy sees between seven and seventeen always sticks to him when the apostle peter preaches you see the fishing nets with which he had from his earliest days been familiar and when amos delivers his prophecy you hear it in the bleeding of the herds which he had in boyhood attended and in our lord's sermons and conversations you see all the phases of village life and the mountainous life surrounding it they raised their own chickens in nazareth and in after time he cries o jerusalem jerusalem how often would i have gathered thee as a hen gathereth her chickens under her wings he had seen his mother open the family wardrobe at the close of summer and the moth millers flying out having destroyed the garments and in after years he says lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth doth corrupt in childhood he had seen a mile of flowers white as the snow or red as the flame or blue as the sea or green as the tree-tops and no wonder in his manhood sermon he said consider the lilies while one day on a high point where now stands the tomb of nebi ismael he had seen winging past him so near as almost to flurry his hair the partridge and the hoopoe and the thrush and the osprey and the crane and the raven and no wonder afterward in his manhood sermon he said behold the fowls of the air in nazareth and on the road to it 
there are a great many camels i see them now in memory making their slow way up the zigzag road from the plain of esdralon to nazareth familiar was christ with their appearance also with that small insect the gnat which he had seen his mother strain out from the cup of water or pail of milk and no wonder he brings forward the large quadruped and the small insect into his sermon and while seeing the pharisees careful about small sins and reckless about large ones cries out woe unto you blind guides which strain out a gnat and swallow a camel he had in boyhood seen the shepherds get their flocks mixed up and to one not familiar with the habits of shepherds and their flocks hopelessly mixed up and a sheep stealer appears on the scene and dishonestly demands some of those sheep when he owns not one of them well say the two honest shepherds we will soon settle this matter and one shepherd goes out in one direction and the other shepherd goes out in the other direction and the sheep stealer in another direction and each one calls and the flocks of each of the honest shepherds rush to their owner while the sheep stealer calls and calls again but gets not one of the flock no wonder that christ years after preaching on a great occasion and illustrating his own shepherd qualities says when he putteth forth his own sheep he goeth before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice and the stranger they will not follow for they know not the voice of the stranger the sides of these hills are terraced for grapes the boy christ had often stood with great round eyes watching the trimming of the grapevines clip goes the knife and off falls a branch the child christ says to the farmer what do you do that for oh says the farmer that is a dead branch and it is doing nothing and is only in the way so i cut it off then the farmer with his sharp knife prunes from a living branch this and that tendril and the other tendril but says the child christ these twigs that you cut off now are not dead what do you do that for oh says the farmer we prune off these that the main branch may have more of the sap and so be more fruitful no wonder in after years christ said in his sermon i am the true vine and my father is the husbandman every branch in me that beareth not fruit he taketh away and every branch that beareth fruit he purgeth it that it may bring forth more fruit capital no one who had not been a country boy could have said that streaks of nature all through christ's sermons and conversations when a pigeon descended upon christ's head at his baptism in the jordan it was not the first pigeon he had seen and then he has such wide sweep of discourse as you may imagine from one who has stood on the hills that overlook nazareth as far as i understand christ visited the mediterranean sea only once but any clear morning he could run up on a hill near nazareth and look off to the west and see the mediterranean while there in the north is snowy mount lebanon clad as in white robe of ascension and yonder on the east and southeast mount gilboa mount tabor and mount gilead and yonder in the south is the plain of esdralon over which we rode yesterday on our way to nazareth those mountains of his boyhood in his memory do you wonder that christ when he wanted a good pulpit 
made it out of a mountain? Seeing the multitudes, he went up into the mountain. And when he wanted a special communion with God, he took James and John and Peter into a mountain apart. Oh, this country boy of Nazareth, come forth to atone for the sins of the world, and to correct the follies of the world, and to stamp out the cruelties of the world, and to illumine the darkness of the world, and to transfigure the hemispheres. So it has been the mission of the country boys in all ages to transform and inspire and rescue. They come into our merchandise and our courtrooms and our healing art and our studios and our theology. They lived in Nazareth before they entered Jerusalem. And but for that annual influx, our cities would have enervated and sickened and slain the race. Late hours and hurtful apparel and overtaxed digestive organs and crowded environments of city life would have halted the world, but the valleys and mountains of Nazareth have given fresh supply of health and moral invigoration to Jerusalem, and the country saves the town. From the hills of New Hampshire and the hills of Virginia and the hills of Georgia come into our national eloquence the Websters and the Clays and the Henry W. Grady's. From the plain homes of Massachusetts and Maryland come into our national charities the George Peabody's and the William Corcoran's. From the cabins of the lonely country regions come into our national destinies the Andrew Jackson's and the Abraham Lincoln's. From Plowboy's Furrow and Village Counter and Blacksmith's Forge come most of our city giants. Nearly all the messiahs in all the departments dwelt in Nazareth before they came to Jerusalem. I send this day thanks from these cities, mostly made prosperous by country boys, to the farmhouse and the prairies and the mountain cabins and the obscure homesteads of north and south and east and west, to the fathers and mothers in plain homespun, if they be still alive, or the hillocks under which they sleep the long sleep. Thanks from Jerusalem to Nazareth. But alas, that the city should so often treat the country boys, as of old the one from Nazareth was treated at Jerusalem, slain not by hammers and spikes, but by instruments just as cruel. On every street of every city the crucifixion goes on. Every year shows its ten thousand of the slain. Oh, how we grind them up! Under what wheels, and in what mills, and for what an awful grist! Let the city take better care of these boys and young men arriving from the country. They are worth saving. They are now only the preface of what they will be, if, instead of sacrificing, you help them. Boys as grand as the one who with his elder brother climbed into a church tower, and not knowing their danger, went outside on some timbers, when one of those timbers broke and the boys fell, and the older boy caught on a beam, and the younger clutched the foot of the older. The older could not climb up with the younger hanging to his feet. So the younger said, John, I am going to let go. You can climb out into safety, but you can't climb up with me holding fast. I am going to let go. Kiss mother for me, and tell her not to feel badly. Goodbye. And he let go, and was so hard dashed upon the ground, he was not recognizable. Plenty of such brave boys coming up from Nazareth. 
let jerusalem be careful how it treats them a gentleman long ago entered a school in germany and he bowed very low before the boys and the teacher said why do you do that oh said the visitor i do not know what mighty man may yet be developed among them at that instant the eyes of one of the boys flashed fire who was it martin luther a lad on his way to school passed a doorstep on which sat a lame and invalid child the passing boy said to him why don't you go to school oh i am lame i can't walk to school get on my back said the well boy and i will carry you to school and so he did that day and for many days until the invalid was fairly started on the road to an education who was the well boy that did that kindness i don't know who was the invalid he carried it was robert hall the rapt pulpit orator of all christendom better give to the boys who come up from nazareth to jerusalem a crown instead of a cross on this december morning in palestine on our way out from nazareth we saw just such a carpenter's shop as jesus worked in supporting his widowed mother after he was old enough to do so i looked in and there were hammer and saw and plane and auger and vice and measuring rule and chisel and drill and adze and wrench and bit and all the tools of carpentry think of it he who smoothed the surface of the earth shoving a plane he who cleft the mountains by earthquake pounding a chisel he who opened the mammoth caves of the earth turning an auger he who wields the thunderbolt striking with a hammer he who scooped out the bed for the ocean hollowing a ladle he who flashes the morning on the earth and makes the midnight heavens quiver with aurora constructing a window i cannot understand it but i believe it a skeptic said to an old clergyman i will not believe anything i cannot explain indeed said the clergyman will you not believe anything you cannot explain please to explain to me why some cows have horns and others have no horns no said the skeptic i do not mean exactly that i mean that i will not believe anything i have not seen indeed said the clergyman will you not believe anything you have not seen have you a backbone yes said the skeptic how do you know said the clergyman have you ever seen it this mystery of godhead and humanity interjoined i cannot understand and i cannot explain but i believe it i am glad there are so many things we cannot understand for that leaves something for heaven if we knew everything here heaven would be a great indolence what foolish people those who are in perpetual fret because they cannot understand all that god says and does a child in the first juvenile primer might as well burst into tears because it cannot understand conic sections in this world we are only in the a b c class and we cannot now understand the libraries of eternity which put to utmost test faculties archangelic i would be ashamed of heaven if we do not know more there with all our faculties intensified a millionfold and at the centre of the universe 
than we do here with our dim faculties and clinging to the outside rim of the universe in about two hours we pass through cana the village of palestine where the mother of christ and our lord attended the wedding of a poor relative and having come over from nazareth for that purpose the mother of christ for women are first to notice such things found that the provisions had fallen short and she told christ and he to relieve the embarrassment of the housekeeper who had invited more guests than the pantry warranted became butler of the occasion and out of a cluster of a few sympathetic words squeezed a beverage of a hundred and twenty-six gallons of wine in which was not one drop of intoxicant or it would have left that party as maudlin and drunk as the great centennial banquet in new york two years ago left senators and governors and generals and merchant princes the difference between the wine at the wedding in cana and the wine at the banquet in new york being that the lord made one and the devil made the other we got off our horses and examined some of these water jars at cana said to be the very ones that held the plain water that christ turned into the purple bloom of an especial vintage i measured them and found them eighteen inches from edge to edge and nineteen inches deep and declined to accept their identity but we realized the immensity of a supply of a hundred and twenty-six gallons of wine what was that for probably one gallon would have been enough for it was only an additional installment of what had already been provided and it is probable that the housekeeper could not have guessed more than one gallon out of the way but a hundred and twenty-six gallons what will they do with the surplus ah it was just like our lord these young people were about to start in housekeeping and their means were limited and that big supply whether kept in their pantry or sold will be a mighty help you see there was no strychnine or logwood or nux vomica in that beverage and as the lord made it it would keep he makes mountains and seas that keep thousands of years and certainly he could make a beverage that would keep for four or five years among the arts and inventions of the future i hope there may be someone that can press the juices from the grape and so mingle them and without one drop of damning alcoholism that it will keep for years and the more of it you take the clearer will be the brain and the healthier the stomach and here is a remarkable fact in my recent journey i travelled through italy greece and egypt and palestine and syria and turkey and how many intoxicated people do you think i saw in all those five great realms not one we must in our christianized lands have got hold of some kind of beverage that christ did not make oh i am glad that jesus was present at that wedding and last december standing at cana that wedding came back night had fallen on the village and its surroundings the bridegroom had put on his head a bright turban and a garland of flowers and his garments had been made fragrant with frankincense and camphor an odor which the oriental especially likes accompanied by groomsmen and preceded by a band of musicians with flutes and drums and horns and by torches in full blaze he starts for the bride's home 
this river of fire is met by another river of fire the torches of the bride and bridesmaids flambeau answering flambeau the bride is in white robe and her veil not only covers her face but envelops her body her trousseau is as elaborate as the resources of her father's house permit her attendants are decked with all the ornaments they own or can borrow but their own personal charms make tame the jewels for those oriental women eclipse in attractiveness all others except those of our own land the damson rose is in their cheek and the diamond in the lustre of their eyes and the blackness of the night in their long locks and in their step is the gracefulness of the morning at the first sight of the torches of the bridegroom and his attendants coming over the hill the cry rings through the home of the bride they are in sight get ready behold the bridegroom cometh go ye out to meet him as the two processions approach each other the timbrels strike and the songs commingle and then the two processions become one and march toward the bridegroom's house and meet a third procession which is made up of the friends of both bride and bridegroom then all enter the house and the dance begins and the door is shut and all this christ uses to illustrate the joy with which the ransomed of earth shall meet him when he comes garlanded with clouds and robed in the morning and trumpeted by the thunders of the last day look there comes down off the hills of heaven the bridegroom and let us start to hail him for i hear the voices of the judgment day sounding behold the bridegroom cometh go ye out to meet him and the disappointment of those who have declined the invitation to the gospel wedding is presented under the figure of a door heavily closed you hear it slam too late the door is shut but we must hasten on for i do not mean to close my eyes to-night till i see from a mountain-top lake galilee on whose banks next sabbath we will worship and on whose waters the following morning we will take a sail on and up we go to the severest clime of all palestine the ascent of the mount of beatitudes on the top of which christ preached that famous sermon on the blesseds blessed this and blessed that up to their knees the horses plunge in molehills and a surface that gives way at the first touch of the hoof and again and again the tired beasts halt as much as to say to the rider it is unjust for you to make us climb these steeps on and up over mountain sides where in the later season hyacinths and daisies and phloxes and anemones kindle their beauty on and on up until on the rocks of black basalt we dismount and climbing to the highest peak look out on an enchantment of scenery that seems to be the beatitudes themselves arched into skies and rounded into valleys and silvered into waves the view is like that of tennessee and north carolina from the top of lookout mountain or like that of vermont and new hampshire from the top of mount washington hail hills of galilee hail lake genesaret only four miles away yonder clear up and most conspicuous is safed the very city to which christ pointed for illustration in the sermon preached here saying a city set on a hill cannot be hid 
there are rocks around me on this mount of beatitudes enough to build the highest pulpit the world ever saw ay it is the highest pulpit it overlooks all time and all eternity the valley of hatton between here and lake galilee is an amphitheatre as though the natural contour of the earth had invited all nations to come and sit down and hear christ preach a sermon in which there were more startling novelties than were ever announced in all the sermons that were ever preached to those who heard him on this very spot his work must have seemed the contradiction of everything they had ever heard or read or experienced the world's theory had been blessed are the arrogant blessed are the supercilious blessed are the tearless blessed are they that have everything their own way blessed are the war eagles blessed are the persecutors blessed are the popular blessed are the herods and the caesars and the ahabs no 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 says christ with a voice that rings over these rocks and through yonder valley of hatton and down to the opaline lake on one side and the sapphire mediterranean on the other and across europe in one way and across asia in the other way and around the earth both ways till the globe shall be girdled with the nine beatitudes blessed are the poor blessed are the mournful blessed are the meek blessed are the hungry blessed are the merciful blessed are the pure blessed are the peacemakers blessed are the persecuted blessed are the falsely reviled do you see how the holy land and the holy book fit each other god with his left hand built palestine and with his right wrote the scriptures the two hands of the same being and in proportion as palestine is brought under close inspection the bible will be found more glorious and more true mightiest book of the past mightiest book of the future monarch of all literature the proudest works of genius shall decay and reason's brightest lustre fade away the sophist's art the poet's boldest flight shall sink in darkness and conclude in night but faith triumphant over time shall stand shall grasp the sacred volume in her hand back to its source the heavenly gift convey then in the flood of glory melt away end of chapter twenty two